Welcome to another episode of House Money. I'm your host, Richard Jones, your wealth creating realtor, associate broker at Presidio Real Estate, the GDP Group in Draper, Utah. Thank you so much for joining us. I got a phone call a few months ago from an agent friend of mine, nearly in tears. And she was describing to me a client of hers that she was trying to help buy an investment property. She was looking for some advice, some comfort, some, some sort of direction as far as what to do. She had met this client and immediately this client wanted to go find a property in Bear Lake. If you don't know the Utah landscape, Bear Lake is on the Utah-Idaho border. We are in Salt Lake. We're a couple hours south of that. He wanted to find a property at Bear Lake. So she had been up in Bear Lake looking at properties, taking them around, looking at different things. He'd ask some questions about neighborhoods and HOAs and things like that. Didn't want to bag anything. Didn't want to make an offer on anything though. A couple days later, he called her and says, yeah, I don't really want to look at Bear Lake anymore. I want to look at uh, Slopeside Condos in Park City, Utah, which relative to Salt Lake here, it's about somewhere between 30 and 45 minute drive across the mountain. So they go and look at 15 to 20 different Slopeside Condos. And he's asking about pro formas and, and HOA documents and CCNRs because he might want to Airbnb it. He might want to stay there sometimes. What do these numbers look like? At this point, she's getting a little, little, little frustrated. She's spending lots of hours running down documents and information and running numbers for him and, and different things. And when she called me that day, she just got off the phone with him again. And now instead of looking at Bear Lake on the Utah Idaho border or in Park City over the mountain, now he wanted to potentially go look at vacation homes in St. George, Utah, which is on the Southern Utah border, There's about 400 miles between Bear Lake at the North and St. George in the South. And she was, she was just exasperated. She was exhausted. She said, I don't know what to do. I, I can't do this anymore. I, I, what, what do I do here? And I asked her some questions about her client and her experience, you know, so far working with him. And ultimately what we determined was that, uh, the client had been unclear about his budget, about what his goals were, um, about what he wanted to actually do. Did he want to live in the house full-time, part-time as a vacation home? Not at all. And ultimately I, I told my friend, you don't have any clarity around what he's trying to accomplish. And that's not entirely your fault because he doesn't have any clarity either. You're all just, you're all just spinning around here looking for anything and everything that he may want to buy. And as you, if you continue to do that, you're going to continue to get the same result. Confused people don't make decisions. And if they do, they're often very poor decisions particularly when it comes to real estate and investment, there are so many options and locations that we can buy real estate. So many ways we can finance them and make them work that if we don't have crystal clear clarity on what we're doing and what we're looking for, we're going to be in sort of this, this death spiral, if you will, the confused investor death spiral. Here's what it looks like. Like my friend, we waste time looking at the wrong properties. We do that enough and that leads to frustration and confusion. Enough frustration and confusion and we start to notice that everybody else, it seems like, is buying properties or doing what it is we want to do. And we, we get a little, little case of the FOMO, fear of missing out. And so we go ahead and make a purchase, but it's typically an impulse buy. And when we make an impulse buy, maybe it didn't actually meet our goals. Maybe it wasn't even good for us financially, but you know what? We, we had to buy something. Everybody else is buying something. I'm missing out. I'm missing, I'm missing the boat. I'm going to miss the opportunity. So we, we go ahead and buy something. 
After we own it though, we come to understand that maybe we didn't make the best purchase because now we see an even better opportunity that we, we really do want that really maybe makes more sense for us, but we're not in a position to do anything about it because we've already, we've already made our purchase. Then we have regret for the purchase. We don't love it. We, we, we resent it. We regret it. We start pointing fingers about, you know, bad information and coerced into a decision. Or maybe we, maybe we look at ourselves and think, man, like maybe I, maybe I made a mistake here. How do I get out of this? And that leads to the next step, which is we make a poor exit strategy. When we make a poor exit strategy, it can be painful. Maybe we lose money. Maybe we have a bad experience, maybe we, whatever it is, but we have a loss of faith in the process, maybe a loss of faith in real estate. And maybe that lasts forever. Maybe it doesn't. But the next time an opportunity comes around, because of the negative experience that we have had, we might overthink the next opportunity. We might have analysis, analysis paralysis, as they call it. There's, I'm a psychology major, a social psychology major. Um, one of my favorite studies that's been replicated hundreds of times is what they have found is that the impact of a negative experience is twice as strong as the impact of a similar positive experience. Basically what that means is you take two experiences that are similar, one positive, one negative. We're going to remember that negative experience statistically twice as much as the positive experience. When we get into this, this in confused investor death spiral and we have this negative experience, that stays with us, man, I lost money on that deal, man. It's not performing like I wanted it to that caused pain, whatever, whatever the pain was, it's going to stick with us and it's going to cause some analysis paralysis when we then find perhaps the right opportunity. And maybe we missed that right opportunity. And then we have pain from missing the right opportunity and just, it just, it just snowballs on itself. We can avoid all of this. If we would just simply stop before taking action, get clarity. And what are we going to get clarity on? We can get clarity on all sorts of things. For purchasing an investment property, I believe there are five pillars of clarity. And we're going to go through each of these five things here. Five pillars of clarity though. There's the goal. There's the assets available or the buckets of money, which we talked about in episode two. If you haven't gone back to, to listen to season one, episode two on buckets of money, that's the second piece of, that's the second pillar of clarity. The third is we're going to get clarity on our, our purchase price or our monthly payment amount. One of those two things. The fourth thing we're going to get clarity around is the type of property that's going to help us meet our goals with the assets we have available. And then finally, the fifth and last pillar and last by design is location. And we'll talk about why that is here as we go along here. Goals, assets, price and payment, type of property, location. Those are the five pillars of clarity that we need to have in order to be able to make confident, decisive decisions on our investment properties that most likely, if we've gone through the process correctly, won't put us in that confused investor death spiral. That doesn't mean every decision we make is going to be the right one or a good one even, but we will at least have clarity around what we're doing. We'll at least be able to understand why we've made that decision. So if we do need to learn from it in the future, we'll be able to identify maybe where we could have been better, maybe where we could have gotten more clarity, more understanding, or maybe we, we, we could have made a better decision. So let's talk about each of these pillars. There are many different goals that investors have. And one thing I love about invest, uh, real estate investments is there are, there are many, many, many different goals that people have. It's, it's almost 
specific and unique to each investor. But there are some major ones that we see come up over and over again. We have our what I call four quadrants of investments, four quadrants of investing. That's going to include our cash flow, which is the number one answer we always get from somebody. What's your goal with an investment property? I want cash flow. Yep. Okay. So there's cash flow. There is tax savings, which we'll talk about in a future episode. There's principal reduction, which is sort of a byproduct of owning a property, whether someone's paying you rent or a lease or whatever it is. A principal reduction is kind of a byproduct, but it's it can be a goal sometimes. Safety of principal kind of goes in that, that bucket as well. And then we have appreciation. So those are our four quadrants, cash, cash flow, principal reduction, tax savings, appreciation. And I like to tell people, I, I like cake. I, I will eat cake. I, I even like cake without frosting, but cake is so much better with frosting. For me, appreciation is the frosting on the cake. I love it if it's there, but I'm not eating the cake just for the frosting. I, I like cake by itself as well. We have to be careful if we're buying for appreciation because we can't, we can't um, predict the markets. We can guess, we can look at data, we can look at historical trends. We can't know for sure what the appreciation is going to be. So if we're buying a property only for appreciation, one, we better be right. Or we better make sure there's some other benefits there just in case we're wrong and the appreciation isn't what we expect it to be. Other goals that, that have come up though, other goals as I'm talking to my investor clients, other agents, other, other people in the space, um, we've come up with a number of things. Current income, obviously that's cash flow. Retirement income, we hear that one a lot. This is my retirement, this property, and you know, let's figure out and make the numbers work so it can be, it can help meet my retirement needs. I've also talked to clients who need it as emergency income where if their spouse or, or the other income in their home is unable to work for whatever reason, and maybe there isn't insurance or, or short-term disability, that the property could be used for emergency income. They don't need it now. It's not really for retirement. It's for, it's for emergency purposes. We also have people who want to take a property and, and buy it, rehab it, rent it, refinance it. Those are our BRRR properties, B-R-R-R, and they, they love that. We have our flip our, our flip properties, people who want to make a short-term profit. We have people who have goals of just simply deferring their taxes. So we're going to do 1031 exchanges over and over and over again. And that may lead to another goal, which is wealth transfer, being able to transfer property to our heirs, charities, other groups when we pass away, where they will get a stepped up cost basis and maybe be able to continue to defer taxes as they do their own 1031 exchanges or whatever it is they may do with it. So those are, those are a number of the goals. We got to get clarity around what the goal is, though. There's a number of clarifying questions that I like to use with my clients uh, to help them get clarity, because oftentimes the goal is it's very general. It's a little bit vague at being that we like the idea of investing in real estate. We have a, a general goal, cash flow. That's nice. It's, it's what we hear on the blogs and you know different podcasts. You should look for cash flow, cap rate, uh, whatever it is. What does that really mean? That's where the clarifying questions come into play. I'll ask someone, you'll tell me more about that. Or um, I'll, I'll use a mirroring technique, cash flow. And they'll tell me, well, yeah, I want to make $300 a month on this property. $300 a month? Yeah, well, $300 a month, that's $3,600 a year. It will allow me to do X, Y, Z. Oh, okay, got that. Tell me, tell me about that. What is important about being able to X, Y, Z? We'll go through this process of digging deeper and finding out what's most important to someone about this goal so that we can really, we can really get really granular about it Ultimately, what we want to accomplish is attach someone to that goal 
at a deep enough level so that as we go through this process, that's what they're remembering. It's important to them enough to go through maybe some difficult times, maybe some, maybe looking at a lot of houses or a lot of properties, maybe, maybe whatever hardships, whatever turbulence might come through with the actual transaction, we've attached them and, and anchored them to a very important goal that they want to accomplish because we help them get clarity on it rather than just my goals, cash flow. Secondly, assets. And we talked about buckets of money and assets that are available in episode two. Would have you go listen to that episode to help make your asset bucket list so you know what assets you have available. Because that leads to our next pillar of clarity, which is the price and payment we're going to be at. If we don't know what assets we have available, we're going to be very confused as to what price and or monthly payment we're going to be at. Either we're not going to be able to qualify for a purchase price based upon our debt to income ratios and things like that. Or we're simply not going to be able to buy the property. I'll give you an example of this. If you are looking to buy a multifamily property, duplex, triplex, fourplex, anything like that, and you are not planning to own or occupy, you're not planning to live in that property, You, unless you're doing like a seller finance deal or a cash deal, you will have to put down 25%. Now, if you use that example, we have to put down 25% and you have $100,000 that you're willing to put towards a property you are going to max out your payment at $400,000 because you're going to put down your 25% down payment. That's not good or bad. That just is. If, if you, and we'll talk about types of properties next, but if you decide that you multifamily is the way you want to go, that's what you want to do. I have $100,000 available and I'm not going to live in one of those units, then $400,000 is your, is your price point. Types of properties, mentioned that a minute, a minute ago, multifamily properties, whether you're, Going to owner, if you're going to owner occupy them, you can put down as little as three and a half percent and do an FHA loan. But if you're not going to owner occupy, you need to put down 25%. If it's a single resident property, a condo, a townhome, something like that, you can put down less as little as 10%, depending on your lender. There's some pros and cons that come with each type of property. If you've got a condo or a townhome that maybe has an HOA, maybe you're probably not going to have to worry about exterior maintenance or landscaping or things like that. If you're owning a single family home, you're going to probably be responsible for everything, including the roof and the plumbing and everything else that goes with that property. So there are pros and cons of different types of property. And some people don't want to deal with any of that. If they're going to be managing it themselves, do they want to do landscaping? Do they want to mow grass? Are they going to pay someone 25 bucks a week to go mow the grass? If they are further away from the property or it's not feasible where they can drive to it every time they need someone, they got to hire a property manager. Do they want to hire people to take care of those expenses. So there are, there are pros and cons of every type of property. And this is where we start to get clarity around what's important to you. Is it the numbers? Is it the cash flow? We have to start factoring in our, our net operating expenses into the property. And that that's going to guide what type of property we look at. It's also going to help us or having clarity around price is also going to help us around type of property as is payment. Let's go back to payment for a minute here. If we are go back, let's go back to our multifamily property. Our, let's say our $400,000 duplex that we're going to buy $100,000 on. If there are leases in place, we may be able to use those leases to offset some of our DTI ratios. If it's a single family residence, we may not be able to do that. So there's just some things there that we need to get clarity around so that we know what we're doing. Once we've gotten clarity around these four things, though, our goals, our assets we have available, the price point and payment we're looking for or, or are going to be capped at, and the type of property that's going to best help us meet our goal, 
The next thing and last thing is location. And location is always last. Always, 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 always last. And here's the reason why. We can go find a property that meets our goals with the assets we have available at the price point we're looking for with the type that meets our goals. We can go anywhere, literally anywhere in the world to find that property. It doesn't have to be 25 minutes from where we are sitting or where we live. Now, that may mean we can't manage it ourselves, obviously. But if we're looking for, I'll give you an example, in my market that I know well, Salt Lake. If we're looking for a fourplex and we have, let's even say, let's say $100,000. If we are looking for a fourplex and, and we have $100,000 available, we are not looking in the greater Salt Lake area. That fourplex does not exist at $400,000. Does not exist here as we're sitting here on July 14th, recording this, 2023. Doesn't mean we can't go find it somewhere else. We can go across the mountain. There's some there's some smaller communities in a little bit more rural Utah that have fourplexes for $400,000 right now that we can cash flow great. They work great. It just means we have to go outside of our, our local area. If you're looking for an Airbnb property, it might not be within 20 minutes of you. It might be in Florida. It might be in wherever it might be in Arizona. It might be in New York on the East coast. It might be in Europe or Costa Rica or the Dominican Republic. There are places all over the world that we can invest in real estate. That's why I love real estate, but it's also why location must come last after we have gotten clarity around the other four things, because we, we can go anywhere to find it. If we start with location and then try to work backwards and everything else, we're going to find ourselves in that confused investor death spiral. We're going to be looking at properties. We're going to hope that they make sense. We're going to find one we love. We're going to find out we either can't qualify for it on the payment or we don't have the assets, av assets available. Or maybe we find out that like, hey, Airbnb in this place actually isn't that great because it's so saturated that the daily rate is so low. I'm not actually going to make any money on this. That doesn't work for me. We're going to find a property we love and it's not going to work because we're trying to, we're trying to work backwards, trying to work the wrong direction. Five pillars of clarity. Goals, assets, price payment, type of property, location. Once we, have that, once we have that clarity, now what do we do with it? Well, now we know exactly what we're looking for. We're looking for a fourplex at $400,000 or less that I can use $100,000 on that's going to cash flow me $500 per month. That is, that is great clarity right there, right there. And now we get to go find that property. If you're familiar, there's been a lot of talk about the reticular activating systems in our brain. It's basically a filter in our brain, if you're unfamiliar with it, RAS. It, it's a filter. Our, our, our subconscious takes in so much information every second of the day, whether we are awake or not. It, it's just so much. What we're doing is helping our brain to focus on what we're looking for. And there's different strategies, people far smarter than I am that can, that can talk about the RAS system in our brains. But that's basically what it does. Here's the easy example. I ask you, how many white cars did you see today driving to work? Tell me, I have no idea. If I then ask you, well, tell me tomorrow how many white cars you see driving home from work. Whether you're focused on it or not, you're probably going to start to notice all the white cars that you see on your way home from work tonight. Because whether you know it or not, your brain is now starting to focus in on white car, white car, white car, white car. It's filtering out all the red cars and the blue cars and the black. It's only focused on find the white cars, find the white cars, find the white cars. Our brains have an amazing ability and capacity to filter information to help us see what it is we're looking for. 
And if we know what we're looking for in a property, because we've clarified our goal, our assets, our price point, our type of property and our location, our brain can start to filter that and help us find the right property. If I'm looking at the MLS today and there's 10,000 properties available, I don't want to look at 10,000 properties. There is not enough time in the day. It just, it won't happen. But if I start looking at properties and think, well, there's, there's 20 here that actually makes sense. Oh, there's actually three of those 20 that are the best fit because we're starting to look at, you know, how they look and location and, and what are, what is they're doing? The price point, all these different things we got clarity on earlier, we're going to start to narrow pretty fast and be able to see and recognize pretty fast properties that are going to fit what we've gotten clarity on. So clarity before action, clarity, before, clarity before action. Don't get caught in that confused investor death spiral. If you are in that spiral currently, give yourself permission to hit pause, maybe take a step back, maybe start getting some clarity around these things. Maybe if you're, if you have an agent, maybe ask them to go through a process with you of some asking some clarifying questions. You can do it on your own though as well. Just you write a piece of paper, goal. What's my goal? Write it down. Very simple exercise here. Write it down and underneath where you have written, just write simply what's most important about that to me and write whatever comes. And below that, what's most important about that to me? And just keep working through that. And at some point you'll be like, yeah, that's what's most important to me about that. Uh-huh. And then you just move, and then you move to the next one. And you get clarity around, clarity around these five pillars. I wish you the best in your investment journey. Thank you for joining us today on House Money. I'm Richard Jones, your wealth creating realtor. We'll see you next time.